1: This episode of d Spy welcomes our fascinating conversation with our guest Ian Wilkie on the subject of stammering. At his request, the episode has not been edited so that we respect his wishes to be interviewed in real time.
0: Hello and welcome to DNI Spy. I'm Dr. Julie Humphreys,
1: and I'm Natasha Whitehurst.
0: As you know by now, here at DNI Spy, we like to uncover what's really going on in the world of equality, diversity, and inclusion. And in today's episode, we're exploring language, and in particular, stammering.
1: And we're joined by Ian Wilkie. Ian is the founder and chair of 50 Million Voices and a person who stutters. He's also a trustee of the UK's Business Disability Forum, an executive coach specialising in quiet leadership and a chartered accountant. Huge welcome.
2: Thank you very much, Natasha and Julie. Great to be here.
0: Brilliant to have you on at last. Um, so we're going to go straight into it. Um, we have a definition of stammering um, and it is to speak with sudden involuntary pauses and a tendency to repeat the initial letters or words. So firstly, is that a definition that you recognise and agree with? Um, and secondly, should we use the term stammer or stutter?
2: It's a definition and uh, you know, an, an alternative definition which I would support is stammering is a different way of speaking which deserves to be heard and deserve to be respected and um, one that doesn't uh, come with any prejudgment in terms of the what the stammerer has to say and how important it is. Stammering and stuttering are the same thing. Um, different countries use different terms so here in the UK we talk about stammering in the US it's stuttering and over the rest of the world it kind of varies so India's stammering um, most of Europe's stuttering
0: I think you should trademark that definition if you haven't already that's a really good definition (laughs) thank you (laughs) we'll do that as a as part of this podcast we'll do it for you (laughs)
1: Uh, and and be credited yeah (laughs) Dr Julie Dr Julie's always (laughs) seeking the credit (laughs) um We, um, we're always quite keen to understand our guests' kind of like personal stories. And, you know, we've we've kind of read that your stammer um, started when you were quite young. Are you happy to kind of tell us a little bit about that?
2: A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So um, actually when I was very young, sort of five or six, I used to love reading. I'd be the first kid to put my hand up in class. And then um, around about the age of seven, I noticed, well, I, I suddenly started stammering and um and and wasn't able to say certain words and certain sounds and uh and that made me very aware of my speech. I was teased about it by my friends, and stammering became something or speaking up became something to avoid you know in a sense it, it, be, it be became painful you know and, and and we naturally avoid that and so I learned to you know avoid certain situations like asking questions in class and certainly not. V- volunteering to read anymore, and and really what had changed fundamentally was that my mother, who um, had been diagnosed with breast cancer, um, and uh, clearly she 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 was very ill, and and she also had severe mental illness as well. So, um, you know, life at home had changed a lot, and and that was affecting all of us at at home, of of course, you know, to see your. Your, your mother declined physically in front of you as, as a little boy and and you know st- still believing everything's going to be okay, and then it wasn't okay because when I was nine I was actually t- used to stay behind at school five nights a week while the other boys would go home, I would stay over um, and, and boarded and um, and as, as as my dad picked me up one night well w- w- one Friday night you know, he, he said mummy's um, you know, gone to sleep, and she's never going to wake up again." And, um, you know, it was a disaster, you know, and and I'd actually asked her a few weeks before, was she going to die? And she told me, no, no, darling, I'm, I'm going to be okay. So anyways, it was, it was tough. It was tough for my father. It was tough for my brother, tough for all three of us. You know, we're all broken hearted guys, really. So, and, and my stammer, um, got a bit worse and got worse still. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a tough few years in, in terms of speaking up and, uh but you know, very privileged in other ways, you know, made friends easily, as good at sport, was reasonably good at the academic stuff, although my academic performance did decline as a teenager. Um so yeah, and and I know now that 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 stammering um uh, comes in part from your genetics. There there are five genes that that, that, that most stammerers have. It also is a neurodiverse condition and it's also very much affected by the um, social aspects of what's going on around you, including at work, um, including it in society. So those influences can be quite positive in encouraging you to speak or they can be really quite negative and, and judgmental and discouraging you from speaking. So yeah, you know, so, so my background's there um, along with my stammer and... Um, and in some ways that's really gives me a real strength of purpose to you know, to do the work that I'm doing now with f- 50 million voices and um, helping people who stammer get into work.
0: And, and was there any support for you as you were growing up then?
2: Um, th- I did have ther- a therapy, uh, a few sessions of therapy when I was 18. Um, and that did help. Um, but between the age of 9 and 18, no, I think... You know, m- my father was incredibly caring man, and his he was very he was the war generation, and it was just keep moving forward, mm. and um, and, and, and so, whenever I tried to talk to him about it and the struggles I was having, he, he his attitude was, you'll be okay, you'll get over it, um, and that reached a, you know that wasn't helpful at the time. I mean, ironically, in the long run, he was right, <laughs> but um, as he was with most things but um so no it's- it's a lonely place having a stammer, you know, um when I look back over the schools I was in, I only ever knew one other boy who had a stammer, one other pupil who had a stammer, although there must have been others um so you know i think I think that's the that was one of those the real struggles was trying to deal with it on your own, you know um as, whereas nowadays there are there are many great stammering communities, whether they be social, or in work networks. Um, but back then it, it was very much sort of keep keep calm and carry on. Well, mm. you can't really keep calm when it's your turn to read in class and everybody's sniggering and they're waiting for you to stammer.
1: And do you think do you think schools have? change their approach with that now I mean obviously you're kind of more focused on the working world but from a young perspective are we are we supporting you know young people enough with that do you think now
2: I think some young people are very well supported okay. um, but I think the majority are not to be honest yeah. I mean I don't really know but you know I've been working the last couple of weeks um, getting r- 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 ready for a mentoring program for young adults 18 to 25 who stammer and have had Conversations with 35 different people who stammer. Some are in that 18 to 25 group. They're the mentees, and others are people who stammer who want to be mentors. And it's very clear that even amongst those younger ones, you know, some have had therapy and they've got good support, particularly at home. Um, in, in a sense of, you know, it's okay to stammer. Um, um, others are really struggling. You know, really struggling. I'm really concerned about them. Uh, they 're very they 're very alone you know they 're lonely mm. they 're socially very anxious um, often very bright but but really struggling at that crucial stage eighteen to twenty five as you come out of education and into well lots of different aspects of life are changing so fast around it 's a very competitive stage of life um, but primarily you know to get into their first their first sort of full time job mm. it's it's tough you know and interviews are really tough um and a lot of employers still believe that um, the only way to speak is to speak smoothly and with fluency, which is, is, um, w- which is a real assumption in, in the sense of um, actually voices that are more hesitant can often be easier to listen to than voices that are really smooth, but yeah. we'll perhaps talk about that later.
0: So do you get a sense if stammering is uh, becoming more common now?
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I I don't think it is more common. You know, statistically it's thought that 1%, perhaps 2, perhaps even 3% of adults stammer. I think what's happening is that stammering is getting more into the media in in a good way, sometimes in a bad way other 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 times, so it's talked about more and and there are, you know, there are stammering charities now. Um and there are um stammering communities you know there's a London stammering group there are stammering groups all over the UK now not all over but in but um so I think it's people are more aware of it Uh, now whether there are really one percent or whether there's actually five percent but we're just very good at hiding it who knows what we do know is that four times more men um identify as stammerers than women um which puts women who stammer in a very tough place you know um Particularly if they're coming from societies where, um, where there's already a lot of bias against women, you know. So, woman that works with me, Shilpa, she's from northern India. Uh, she has a stammer. You know, so she's dealing with a lot of different issues there, in 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 terms of disadvantage on on many levels and assumptions about how a woman should be, and she has a stammer. So. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to paint too bleak a picture. We have an American president who, who stammers, and you know, Joe Biden's story is a tough one. You know, and he's now speaking more openly about his stammer, and, and that can only be good for the for the awareness.
0: So, you recently did a TEDx talk um, about the gift of stammering. So, um, what does that mean? Tell us.
2: Well, yeah, the gift of stammering, you know, I. I think there are many gifts of stammering. Actually, um, I think, firstly, when a, when a stammered, um, a, a, a stammering person, I think, starts to become more comfortable with our stammer, um, then I think we, we, we can perhaps reflect that that just the experience of having a stammer, which mostly comes on in in early age between three and eight. Um, some people will develop a stammer as adults, but through that we learn to be resilient, you know, to, to take the knocks. There, there, is, there is no hiding when it's your turn to read in class, you know, there's no hiding when when you're a school prefect and you have to read out the role of names, you can't change people's names, so, so you stammer and there are adverse social consequences from that. So I think definitely resilience, I think an awareness of other people's um, difficulties, so empathy. I think listening to stammering voices, or perhaps not speaking up and then listening more, helps develop good listening skills. So, all of those are really valuable social as well as skills in the workplace. So, but I would see the gift of other other gifts of of stammering are actually when somebody perhaps has a more a much stronger stammer than me um, finally gets their word out, then that word kind of arrives like it's a gift. You know, he or she has really worked for that word. And the listener has had to really wait patiently to hear that word. And when it arrives, sometimes it can be like it's wrapped up with a lovely bow on it, and it is an really great point. And why has that person delivered that word? Because they know they have a really great point, and they want to make it, and nothing's going to stop them from making it. So I think there's a gift in the sense of the impact of the words. There's a really nice little story about Nye Bevan, you know, who Labour... Um, Minister for Health, you know, credited with founding the NHS. Nye Bevan had a a stammer, and there's a story which I think it was Michael Foote would tell, how Nye Bevan, he didn't stammer that much, but when he did stammer, you remembered it. And one time he was talking during the Suez Crisis in the late 60s, late 50s, about Sir Anthony Eden, the Tory Prime Minister, and in his speech he said, such a this man must be s- 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 stupid Prime Minister. And everybody remembers the word stupid, you know, now whether it was deliberate or not, it's a good example of the power of the stammering word. So Eden was regarded as stupid and Nide Bevan made sure everybody knew that. So I think those are sort of two gifts from the stammerer's perspective, really. I think, however, stammering is a social activity. There's a speaker and there's a listener. And it's a really interesting condition because there are not many conditions that actually directly affect other people. So if I'm dyslexic and I was sitting here talking about dyslexia, you wouldn't affect you. If I was a different race, different skin colour, different gender, it wouldn't actually affect you. But w- 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 when I stammer, it affects your listening. And so the real, you know, so what we learned in 50 Million Voices through the interview practices that we offer for people who's, who who's, who stammer um, is that the interviewers, who'd all come into those programs, you know, wanting to be helpful, to help people perhaps less fortunate than them to develop their interview skills and confidence. And we thought they'd say, thank you, had a great time, it was re- really nice to feel we're able to give something back. They'd they said all that, but actually more importantly they said, wow, I noticed the strength of the stammering words, how carefully they were chosen. Or I noticed I was becoming more patient. I was slowing down. I wasn't thinking of my next question or what I was going to say. I realized that I was paying more attention. I felt more present. I felt a connection. And so what, what we're realizing is that stammering should the listener almost accept that invitation of the stammer as it happens that invitation to listen and hear us out actually through that it's really good practice for better listening in a way that in a world where most of us aren't really very good listeners so i think that's another gift of of stammering is the ability to help us slow down really hear what's being said think about it and then continue with the conversation, not with what we were going to say anyway, but actually in the natural way that conversation is de- de- developing. You know, and as as Brenny Brown would say, you know, connection—that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. So I think stammering does offer that. Um, you know, so those 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 are three gifts of stammering. Um, you know, if if I was to say one more, I would say it really. I think challenges us to think about well why do people speak up and why don't they speak up in organizations for example well they'll speak up if they believe that a what they have to say is is useful but b that they believe they're going to be listened to and actually truly heard and if the environment is one that dismisses that stammering voice cuz oh stammering that's not worth listening to or perhaps Ethnic minority voices aren't listened to, or women's voices aren't listened to. You know, people, we, we we all make a judgment about, are we going to listen to this person? And if so, how much? Stammering, I think, asks that question, which says, is this voice worth listening to? So it says to the stammerer, yeah, you have a right to be, or do you have a right to speak up? And it says to the listener, are you going to listen to this voice? Not just pretend to listen and think of what you're going to say next, but truly listen. So I think, in a way, if diversity equity inclusion is all about all voices having the right to be heard and to be the confidence to speak up and be heard then if you're getting stammering right you're probably getting a lot of dni right as well mm. so that's that's what i truly believe you know i, th- I think stammering sits right at the centre of dni not out on the edges some sort of fringe activity that a few stammerers get involved in you get stammering right in terms of Speaking up and listening up, wow, you've come a long way.
0: So, I completely agree. I think I I first met you many, many years ago. Um, You were talking at a a business disability forum conference. I was blown away i went up to you uh, to talk to you afterwards because uh, i wanted to find out more since then we've been partnering with uh, with various organizations with 50 million voices and it is one of the most fundamentally changing things i think that i've ever yeah. implemented um, anybody who goes into those practice sessions you're absolutely right they it, it it stops them in their tracks and makes them think about what is happening in that moment Rather than thinking about you know well I should be here somewhere I've got a meeting next week next week or act- actually yeah what is the next question I'm asking that person it's it's having a hundred percent attention on that person which is really rare nowadays mm. um, and I think it's and it's a credit to you to to actually to have pulled that together and, and it's because it's a simple con- concept isn't it really just practice interviews but actually yeah. it's it, what happens is is incredible
1: the output of it is a gift to walk away and actually you learn so uh, even even if you think about this conversation today we would normally be sat here we're looking at our list we're thinking about the next questions I'd probably be scribbling down a hell of a lot more um than what I have been doing but I've been sat concentrating and patiently kind of like listening and looking out for those words and everything you're talking about that you are just so much more in the moment it really is a gift.
0: Yeah, because I've forgotten that I normally write things down quickly because we talk about the guest <laughs> after you've left. And I yeah. thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to remember in everything you In saying. a nice <laughs> way, obviously. In a nice <laughs> way, obviously. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, so we're talking about active listening there, which is, I think is really, really key. And, um, you know, and you've talked about it, that it's an open door, which I think is a really nice way mm. of, of putting it. So why did you start um, 50 Million Voices?
2: Well, I'd started, you know, I was actually started with forming a stammering network at EY, Ernst & Young, where I was a partner for a long time. uh, And that really came out of some pretty high profile, what seemed like stammering disasters at the time. In my TED talk, I talk a little bit about reading in Southwark Cathedral at the memorial service for one of our... Very senior partners uh, who I'd worked a lot with, a chap called R- 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 Richard Finlater, and I stammered a lot, and in front of hundreds of very important clients and very important people from the global firm, and I just felt this is humiliating. I've I couldn't even read, you know, twelve lines of the Old Testament, and um, having practiced them at home, you know, multiple times, but when I got up there, I just stammered away, and my stammering voice was coming. B- 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 back off the far wall of the cathedral I've just felt humiliated and I led a pitch for a really big audit client um and I stammered a lot and again I thought I've blown it I've blown it you know we not we've been trying to win this client for years in fact we won it you know but um or I wouldn't be telling the story but, you know, <laughs> but but actually again I went home and thought I've blown it I've blown it for my team I'm just not good enough you never were good enough and I thought anyway and um and the next day I had a conversation with a, vice chair of the firm, a guy called Richard King. And he said, Ian, if they don't give us the work because you stammer, you know, we don't want them as clients. But they're huge and they (laughs) work so much. He said, Ian, you know, so I just thought, wow, this is really affecting me. I'm like 49 years old and this is crazy. I'm doing so well in my career. People look up to me. I'm going to found a stammering network. And the firm has been great. You know, they said... Well, we don't really know what a stammering network is and neither did I. I talked to the British Stammering Association. They said, Well, you'll be the first one. So founded a stammering network, thought, Well, you know, statistically we have a hundred people in EY at the time of stammer. We'll have fifty in the network by the year end. By the year end we had three, you know. <laughs> but I'm still in touch with the other two, you know. And um, and it just grew from there. Then out of that, with the British Stammering Association formed something called the Employers Stammering Network, where we tried to repeat, encourage other employers to form their own networks. Mm-hmm. And Ed Balls was really helpful with with, with that, because Ed Ed Stammers, he was um Shadow Chancellor at the time. And then out of that, I was doing a talk about that at the Global Stuttering Conference in Japan in twenty eighteen about what we're doing around stammering at work in the UK. And loads of people came up to me afterwards and, do you want to have your slides? I said, yeah, of course, but let's stay in touch. And about a few months later, I said, well, let's just launch launch a group and let's share what we're all doing. And came up with the idea of being an accountant. I thought, well, how many people are there in the world? And stammer. <laughs> went through all this data from the UN and worked out it was at least 50 million adults in the world of age who stu- stammer, stutter. So I thought, well, love the... The, the title of that that conference in Japan had been One World, Many Voices. I just loved that. All these stammering voices all over the world, different accents, different you know, different voices, different stammers, different stutters. I thought, wow, we'll be fifty million voices because just that thought of all these, as I say, so launched it. Was really nervous. People did show up from different countries, and then we had another meeting. And the next month, and they showed up again, which was amazing. So we called it a campaign, and then we became a, a registered charity in 2020, and we started doing things rather than just sharing what we were doing. So doing things in our own right. So practice interview events have been a big success. We're going to run another one in May this year, but it's going to be have some additional, so it'd be like practice interviews plus. And um, we ran an event last year called "It Takes Two to Stutter," which really looks hard at this interaction between speaker and listener it was a really fantastic session um so we do m- more of those sessions and um yeah so that's how I got into it really it's just like I want I don't want others to, to 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 go through the pain that I've gone through I'm in such a privileged position as a partner at EY and everything I've achieved so I, I'm going to use that and that's what I feel now I feel I so I feel it's 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 kind of my duty, which it really does. You know, this is what I'm here for. I, I was 35 years at EY. Always thought being a partner there was my big career. No, this is my big career. I honestly think so. You know, EY taught me so many things, including building global teams. And that's what 50, part of what 50 Million Voices is. We have stammering leaders in 12 countries at the moment, you know, from well, New Zealand, India, Kenya, Ghana, France, Germany, uh, uk and northern ireland included in that ireland canada usa and peru you know it's such a beautiful mix of different countries and cultures and stammers that um yes yeah, so i'm using the skills i learned at ey i'm using some of the connections some doors are open some are shut in my face but I I knew, I knew that would happen and this is this is my big career
0: so we'll definitely link in our uh, when we release this episode uh, for how people to g- get in touch with you. If there's a country out there that uh, they want to add to your twelve list or your list of twelve, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, what are your plans then for the future for fifty million voices?
2: Well, we know we have a model that works, and that model is really about bringing employers, um, by which I mean you know, GNI leaders and people that are in. Um, talent attraction, recruitment roles and, and have, have um, in influence over promotion. So people who impact uh, whether people get a job and, and how successful on that job, but bringing employers and people who stammer and allies together. So allies would include perhaps the, really people who are in those organisations who are kind of pro-stammering and sort of ac- activists on our behalf. But they may be a parent, they may be a DNI leader like yourselves. Uh, or speech speech and language therapists incredibly important and valuable community so when we bring those three communities together there's such a buzz because it's uncomfortable and we're all on that learning edge and I'm am uncomfortable as well so we'll continue with that model of bringing people together we'll continue with the model of being really focused on the 99% who don't stammer because we ain't going to change the world through the 1% who do we need to get to the tipping point within the 99% so if we can get enough employers heads of dni interested recruiters interested then we can really help change the world and it's it's to their advantage as well that there are so many talented people out there who have a stammer who just cannot get through an interview or a discussion group because they're judged on the way that they speak differently. And that's all it is. Mm. And, you know, for the reasons I've said, actually, employers will b- 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 benefit from employing people who stammer. I mean, EY recently, the stammering network there is still going over 10, 11 years after it was founded. And they, you know, they they really promoted an an event that EY ran in the autumn last year about quiet leadership. And it was initiated by the stammering um, community, by the stammering network in EY. So, you know, stammerers will influence internally um, and create positive change there as well.
1: So so, um, you touched on quiet leadership there. I think we're quite keen to talk about that some more. Can you possibly explain it so that the people that are listening know what that is?
2: yeah i mean i th- I think um you know in my experience in as a, a, an auditor, you go around a lot of different organizations and meet a lot of different senior people, particularly boards of directors um often you come under quite a lot of pressure from them as well <laughs> and you stammer quite a lot but uh, <laughs> um yeah so but what, you know typically most of those leaders tended to be alpha male and and extrovert, and I felt that actually some of the best leaders I worked with were much quieter and much more considered. And so I decided, I felt that's actually where I could make most difference as an executive coach, you know, working with people who are quieter. And and other coaches said, oh, that's really interesting, that's a niche. It isn't a niche at all. You know, 30 to 40% of people are introverted. People are also quiet for other reasons. Um, they may be quiet because they're a, a, a a racial minority or feel uncomfortable because their background or speaking in a second or third language or have a speech issue they may not be feeling very well i don't know you yeah. know maybe menopause I, I i don't know but there's lots of issues mm. and um there are lots of reasons why why people are quiet and and yet quiet leaders have so much to offer in terms of their typical skills they will typically kind of it's it, it's on the tin really, but they'll typically listen before they speak. They will read the briefing papers before the meeting <laughs> mm. so they actually think about it and then probably give a more considered view. They bring strengths in terms of listening because they often let others go first um, before they form their own view um, and they're often brilliant at building deeply trusting relationships at the end of the day business a lot of business particularly in this country which is it in a largely service economy economy is um is about trust mm. you know who do you buy from you buy from the supplier you trust as much as from the especially if you're buying services whether it's medical legal you know um whatever financial then it's trust and and, and quieter quieter people are very good often at building trust so that's what I mean by quiet leadership. I would say it's getting on for 50% of leaders that are out there. Yeah. Yeah, so, um and it's clearly, you know, it's it's all about helping those quieter voices to be heard. So, you know, I'm a bit of a one-trick pony, really, because I've got the stammering quieter <laughs> voice and I've got the quieter leadership quieter voices, but it's very similar, including on, you know, virtual and the challenges of of, of, of meetings on virtual and, mm. and, and, and how do you kind of speak up there?
0: That's a really good uh, point, actually, around, you know, as we work from home more as we work in a hybrid fashion more you know how has it changed the world for you as a person who stammers and who has obviously lots of contacts with through 50 million voices through lots of people who stammer um suddenly everybody's on screens are people interact does it need a different type of interaction perhaps um either from the listener or the stammerer
2: i think yeah it's a great question i think um it is different for people who stammer and most people who stammer really don't like the phone because there's something about this, the connection between, I guess, the speaking and the listening. You 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 hear your own voice, um, and so in a sense, you know, is 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 a virtual meeting with a screen better or worse than a phone? Um, I think what it does offer, or some of them offer, is the ability to, you know put your hand up virtually. Now, you can do that in a normal meeting. That seems a bit odd, but in a way, why not? You know, if you want to speak. Um, and it also gives you the opportunity to con- to contribute through the web chat. Uh, however, you've still got all the sort of timing issues around h- how do I speak up and get the word I want to start my sentence with, which I'm worried I'm going to stutter on. How can I get into that conversation? Mm, I've missed it again. I've missed it again. So it can be very tough. And some people who stutter... Because you know, there's there's more to stuttering than the stuttering voice. You know, the facial expression will change often, um, some sort of physical b- b- body movement often, and we don't like seeing our facial expressions when we stutter. I don't mind because I'm totally relaxed about my stutter, but you know, I've had a long, long journey, and and the, and the, and the support, frankly, of you know, a major firm in EY in sort of really encouraging me. Um, so. Um, yeah, it is, it is challenging, but I also think it's enabled many stuttering communities to meet online. Like the mentoring program that we're doing, it's no longer restricted by geography as to how we pair up the mentors and the mentees. Mm-hmm. You know, so we take geography out of it and you can create even better mentor-mentee pairings. And ultimately, you know, that's really what will determine the value that that young 18 to 25 year old mm-hmm. person who stutters gets out of that program.
1: So you obviously talk um, really positively about the support you've had from EY, and clearly leaders have been really influential in supporting that. What we're maybe going a little off topic, but if if you're a leader and you know you've got someone in your team that does stammer and maybe not really broached that subject yet, how how do you think that can be led? Because obviously it can be, you know, it is a very personal thing, but mm-hmm. actually unlike maybe a hidden disability um that maybe you wouldn't know about so therefore you couldn't talk about it like you said stammering does it does come out it is Mm. there it's present in the conversation so how would they or how would you maybe suggest that they approach that do you think
2: yeah I mean sort of talking openly about one stammer is a really really difficult thing to do because you're talking about something which is perceived by society to be a weakness Mm. and that you're ashamed of and you're really you know as I said after that I thought I'd lost that big pitch you know really, the self-stigma there was huge so it's a very difficult journey and it took me you know 30 years before of work really or 30 years as an adult kind I was 50 really before I started talking openly about my stammer so um, and in fact Richard the, the first Richard the chap whose memorial service it was he used to try and talk to me about my stammer and I would I'd refuse you know and he was just Richard I'm not talking about it I'm not talking about it yeah. so um I think you know, it's about earning trust I think and um I think finding somebody who that who the stammerer uh will trust and 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 and, and will perhaps listen to in terms of you know would you like to talk about your stammer or how can would you like to come into the conversation more often how can we bring you in mm-hmm. would you like to go first uh, in the meeting in these meetings where we go around the room we all have to say our name a nightmare for people who stammer most people who stammer will stammer on their name and know many people not many several people who stammer who've changed their names and, a, and a speech therapist told me once that she knew couple of her clients who changed their names and then started stammering on the new names there's something about that pressure moment so Mm -hmm. anyway so there are all these moments that um so I think it's a question of how would would the person who stammer want that conversation they may not want it they may not they they may just be not ready as I wasn't ready or they may have other reasons but if they do you know how what what would be helpful Mm. um would, would um would they like to contribute in writing. So Manuel, who's our leader in Fifty Minute Voices leader in Kenya, has a has a, a fantastic stammer. We'll get onto language in a minute, but Manu's is world class. And um, and sometimes Manu will, will speak and he does he does stammer a lot. And sometimes he'll be too tired or he'll just in a half fifth of the meeting he'll contribute through the web chat. He's just actually he's got a particularly um, delicate point to make and he'd rather he's a very you know, very good at writing. So I think it's just understanding what's what's helpful mm. and 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 actually i think as saying we don't mind if 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 you stammer you know stammer away because we want to hear we really want to hear what you have to say then mm. when i was um going forward to be a partner at ey you have to go on this um really intensive um assessment center with all the other candidates and i thought they'll never make me a partner if they know i stammer so the first year i went I, I did everything I could to not stammer all these observed discussion groups. And, and some of my sentences just made no sense at all because I'd be trying to dodge words and, you know, use, use substitute words. And I failed it. And the feedback was, well, you failed it for all these other, these reasons. But also, <laughs> you um, you know, sometimes you just didn't even make sense. You took a very long time to make your point. Yeah. And I was very lucky. Richard was there and he said, Ian, I've told them you have a stammer. I've told them you won't talk about it but we're going to invite you back next year, we know you have a stammer, it's okay. And I went back the following year, I wasn't like totally cool to have a stammer or anything, but I just felt under so much less pressure that if I did stammer, it, that wouldn't be the reason I didn't get through. Yeah. And I did get through, you know, so I think it's the confidence to say, for the listener to say, actually, you know, listening to stammering voice can be a bit awkward too. Um, but we're okay with that because we're more, more important than that. We really want to hear what you have to say.
0: I think that's a great um, opportunity for us to ask you for a top tip. So, as you know, um, because you're an avid listener, thank you very much uh, to DNI nice Spite. We ask all of our guests um, um, what their top tip is. And it, we are very action orientated. So, what can our listeners do around stammering? Would be your tip.
2: I think my tip is for stammering I think it's broader really. I think it's broader for all those voices that struggle to be heard, of which there's a huge percentage um, so I think my tip is for us all to be aware of our fluency privilege. you know the fact I can come on this this talk and talk with you is is such a privilege you know not not everybody can do that, so just to be aware that in Whatever situation it is, whether it's social or at work or w- family, um, just be aware that others are not finding it so easy to 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 speak up um, and to share what they have to say. So, to to, to be aware and maybe have that conversation before, or, or bring people in, or would you like to speak, Natasha or Julie, or what do you think of that? Or you know, I think it's a balance, isn't it, between not putting people right on the spot. <laughs> and f- making them feel even more uncomfortable, but but creating that open space that they can step step into if they choose to. So that would be my action is be aware of fluency privilege because just because somebody's extrovert and talkative does not give you the right to dominate the conversation. In fact, the thought that you might even think that is, or assume that, is really not very nice actually. You know, so, you know, what is it? 30% of people dominate 78% of the conversation. Uh-huh. Well maybe if we had a flatter flatter percentages there we'd have better conversations with better decisions, better outcomes. So fluency privilege be aware and use it to help others.
1: Wow, that was that's a very good top tip. Loving that. Scribbled that down as well. Thank you, Ian. This has been really really great conversation I really really loved it and just that kind of yeah reflecting during the conversation is just such a treat for me I think.
0: Absolutely
2: thank you so much for coming in and thank you so much for inviting me and for listening so well Thank you. <laughs> thank you another day is here and you're ready for it, what to wear check, breakfast, lunch and dinner check, planning for what's next and how to save for it,
0: that's where Bank of America can help
1: so fresh out of an episode with Ian Wilkie about stammering
0: was, yeah and it was Ian very graciously came into the studio which was oh, it, I it's him. always a joy when we do face to face
1: yeah what well, do you know what i realized at the start of the recording though you you sounded very oh, um you sounded very monotone <laughs> did i yeah it's not like you you're normally more uplifted oh. but we to have to re-record that
0: did i oh okay yeah
1: then i just like You didn't want to be a maybe it was oh, your train riding no oh, I had a
0: very bad train riding but
1: um but going back to stammering um I liked I wrote down about Ian saying stammering is just a different way of speaking yes loved that
0: yeah I like yeah that, that definition absolutely um I liked the fact that um the gift of stuttering mm. is so simple as a concept
1: yeah I, when because obviously we were sat opposite Ian which was really really gorgeous to have somebody in the studio mm. um when he was describing that and he said you know when someone's stuttering and then they get to the end and then they get that word out it's like a beautifully mm, like yeah. packaged gift yeah. with a bow on it that you've got that word from them and that just felt really lovely
0: yeah it yeah it, it is so true isn't it that if you're um a listener in a in a conversation with a, uh, somebody who stammers then quite rightly, then it, it you're centred, you're listening, you're focused, mm. um, you're calm. So therefore, when the words come out, you appreciate them more. Mm. And I think that was quite a sort of beautiful thing to to think about. And we don't normally, we rush from thing to thing to thing to thing. And, yeah. and you know, the loudest voice gets heard and, mm. and the, whatever they're saying gets done. Whereas if there were more people in meetings with a stammer that people listen to, Mm. then the whole thing would be more pragmatic, understanding, um, uh, I'm going to say action orientated as well.
1: Yeah, I just think that there'd be just far more inclusive meetings. And I think the byproduct of that would be that other people that don't necessarily stammer would have more opportunity to be heard um and actually by people being heard we talked about this afterwards um you know the more people that get heard and have their views and and ideas shared have that greater sense of belonging and actually what a powerful thing that would be
0: absolutely and I think the work that uh, that Ian is doing with 50 million voices I mean he alone is giving people the courage to speak up yeah and you know what a great thing to do with your life
1: yeah um and final I guess the final bit for me was his top tip around that that kind of fluency privilege um I don't normally I don't normally like the word privilege if I'm honest it normally makes my back go up we need to do
0: an episode on that word
1: um there's one other takeaway I don't normally like that I don't normally like that word but it it actually really felt like it fit Mm -hmm. um in this context which I really appreciated actually
0: yeah absolutely um great episode um and the time went really quickly i thought
1: yeah. <laughs> i could have sat here for like another two hours <laughs> yeah. just chatting just yeah. chatting and
0: to, for such a specific subject as well when we talk yeah. about edi it's massive mm. um so and, and stammering is quite specific and yeah. quite niche and you know we could have sat yeah. here talking but as ian said it touches on every aspect of EDI, if you get uh stammering right, if you get the um the strategy around it, the actions around people who stammer right, then the follow what will follow is an inclusive culture Mm. for everyone.
1: Yeah, and one of I think my other big takeaway, and I said again said this to Ian when we weren't recording, which (laughs) is annoying, um if you go back and re listen to when Ian's speaking, He's so considered and mindful of all different communities and I just think that's just lovely to hear mm. when someone brings other people into a conversation other min- you know other minorities actually that's really I don't know just I, it just feels like really considered and a really nice way of of speaking and I just really appreciated that
0: absolutely, absolutely.
1: You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening.